Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. And for any guests we have here this morning, I uh, hope you feel welcome here. Thank you for coming. And also those who will be listening to our service and also watching our service, we are glad that you have joined us. Pastor Dean's message this morning is based on James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. So for an opening scripture, I've chosen to read from Colossians 3, 12 to 17, which I think connects with that. So Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So there's a lot in those verses, isn't there? Yes, there is. We're called to live with compassion and a forgiving attitude. We are to let love guide our lives. We are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We are to be thankful. We are to let the message of Christ fill our lives. And in whatever we do, we are to live as Christ's representative. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you have called us to imitate you in all that we do, to be your representatives here on earth. Too often, we fail miserably at that. We give in to temptations. We don't love as we should. We don't, or we often just don't do a very good job of living as your representatives. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and for strength and guidance and wisdom to live our lives in such a way that others would see you in us. Lord, thank you for this day, for another Sunday, where we can set aside our regular activities and gather to worship you. God, thank you for your presence here, and we ask that you would bless this service. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
So I'll ask Mark to lead us in singing. Good morning. We have a mighty and powerful God, and we get to sing about that might and that power. So let's sing about it. Our song is number 50, which is 5-0. I sing the mighty power of God. Let's stand for this if you're able. Song is number 578. I need the every hour.
think that's a great song about Christian living. Um, we do need the Lord, and we want him to be near us and and uh, us, and it's so good for us to be near him. The way um, verse 2 talks about, may he be close to us, that temptations lose their power. And um, in the last verse, um, how good it is to belong to Jesus. It's, um, it's a good song. Let's finish for now with uh, 532. To God be the glory. We'll just uh, take a brief look at our bulletin. I'll highlight a couple of things and then ask you to read the rest of the bulletin on your own. 
Under, uh, near the top, under focus on missions, uh, we have give the word. And I think the line underneath that should have been deleted. It says serving with power to change, but give the word is not connected to power to change. Give the Word is a ministry that's based in Winnipeg. Our church supports that ministry, and they distribute uh, Bibles. So let's uh, remember that organization. And just further down under persons with health needs, we have uh, Wally Neufeld and Marge Thiessen in the hospital. And to that, you can also add Eva Peters. Eva was admitted to the hospital on Friday. So let's remember these folks and their families. Ray Drieger is recovering from hip surgery. So let's pray for a, a quick recovery for Ray. Ushers, I'll ask you to come forward. So again, if you, there's a few more announcements that are important, please, uh, please read those. And maybe I should just mention one more thing. Pastor Victor is on holidays these days, but he is uh, speaking this morning at the Morden Corn and Apple Festival, so we can also remember him uh, for that time. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are. You are a mighty and powerful God. You are a gracious and loving God. You are a merciful and patient God. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to take the burden of our sins upon himself and die on the cross in our place. And because of that, we can experience forgiveness of our sins. So Father, we ask for your help each day to be faithful followers of you. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful summer that you blessed us with. And as the harvest has begun, we pray for safety for the farmers as they work long hours to bring in the harvest. And we ask your blessing on the crops that will be brought in from our fields and from our gardens. We pray for Wally Neufeld, Marge Thiessen, and Eva Peters in the hospital. God, we ask for your hand of healing upon them, and that they would know your presence with them. Grant strength to their families as well. We pray that Ray Drieger would make a good and a quick recovery from his hip surgery. And we also have a number of people who are dealing with illness who are not in the hospital. And Lord, we ask that you would grant healing to them as well. We pray that Anne Weens would adjust well to the Rock Lake Hospital. And we pray for others who are in surrounding communities and waiting placement so that they can be closer to home. May each of them know that you are with them, grant them encouragement and patience as they wait. Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless the work of Give the Word Ministries, that you would grant your wisdom and guidance to those who are in leadership there. We pray for continued guidance for our church. We pray for our education committee as they work at getting a Sunday school program going, and we pray that the children would come. We thank you for each one of our staff and ask that you would guide them as they go about their work. 
We pray for Pastor Victor as he speaks in Morden this morning. Pray that you would give him the words to speak and uh, that you would bless that service there. We ask that as Pastor Dean brings the message today that uh, to us here, that you would grant him the words to say and that you would, that we would have open hearts to hear what you want to say through him. Now, as we give back a portion of that which you have given us, we thank you, God, for your many blessings and pray that this offering would be used to further your work. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. scripture reading is uh, James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> One night, after the kingdom of Israel had been firmly established under the reign of Solomon, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 15, and I'm going to be reading this portion of scripture before going to the main passage that we'll be looking at in James. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great mercy to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. 
Now, O Lord, you have made your servant king in, my, in the place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out the duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this people, this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for a long life for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for a discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there never have been anyone like you, nor will ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, for both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized that it had been a dream. According to this portion of scripture, Solomon became the wisest person ever. God told him that no one who preceded him and no one who would come after him would surpass his wisdom. Here are some insights that we can gain about Solomon and the wisdom he attained. The Lord is constantly testing his followers and not tempting them. I want to repeat that. The Lord is constantly testing his followers and not tempting them. Satan tempts and wants them to fall. God tests and always wants believers to succeed. In the dream, the Lord came to Solomon and said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. The reason why this is such a pivotal question is that this openly displayed the desires of Solomon's heart and they are pure and they are upright. Solomon is approximately 20 years of age and he already has a firm understanding of the Lord, how understanding that the Lord blessed David because of David's faithfulness to God. Furthermore, God has already promised David a son who would be placed on the throne to lead Israel and also to build the temple of the Lord. However, since the task and the requirements are so rigorous and demanding for the young king, Solomon knew that there was no way that he could carry this out in his strength. Thus Solomon asked God for, discern, for a discerning heart to govern people and distinguish between right and wrong. Now here are the four things in verse 11 and 13 that Solomon did not ask for, thus demonstrating he had an unselfish heart. In verse 11, he did not ask for a long life. He did not ask for wealth or the death of his enemies. And in verse 13, he did not ask for honor.
Notice the three things that God said he would give Solomon up front. This is what God was going to do for him right up front without him doing anything. He would give him a discerning heart between right and wrong, riches and honor. However, in verse 14, there is condition placed on receiving a long life. And God said, if, if, if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David, your father did, I will give you a long life. Unfortunately, Solomon had an excellent beginning, but the scriptures tell us that Sol as Solomon grew older, many wives, the many wives that he had married that he should have never married, ended up turning his heart away from God. He then went and worshiped other gods leading others to follow what he did. Thus he angered the Lord God of Israel, since Solomon did not obey God's statutes and commands completely as David had done. Solomon did not live a long life, and he passed away around the age of 58 or 59 years. However, the books that Solomon wrote, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon are all books of the wisdom in the scriptures in the Old Testament. There are other ones, Job and Psalms, but here we have the ones that he wrote, which is, as I said before, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, lays the foundation for godly wisdom. And let me quickly read over these seven verses so we can understand what wisdom is all about. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and a prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline." Close quote. So the question is this, what are knowledge and wisdom? What are they? Knowledge has to do with acquiring of information. Wisdom has got to do, has to do with the deciphering and putting it together so that God's truth can be related to daily living. Very simple, the acquiring of knowledge or acquiring of information is knowledge and then putting it together in such a way that we can live the principles of truth found in the scriptures. When the scriptures speak about the fear of the Lord, it is, not, it is the beginning of knowledge. However, the fear of the Lord does not mean 
cowering before the Lord, but rather having a loving reverence towards the Lord. But of course, one cannot having a loving reverence for the Lord unless you have a relationship with him. That is vital. Then in Psalms chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and that is an identical passage to Psalms chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, There's a, it defines what a fool really is. And this is what a fool. Listen from Psalms chapter 14, 1 through 3. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if, they are, if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And that is speaking about the person who rejects God. According to the scriptures, the wise person is the one who knows and walks with God. The person who is the fool is the person who rejects God, who has no place for God, or worse yet, who knows about it and then puts God to the side and says, I'll attend to you later. First, let me live my life the way that I want to live it. The Apostle Paul addresses, addresses the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Listen as Paul addresses what wisdom really is, because it's not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is different. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosophers of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign. And the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who God has called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, the, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength." Close quote. What then is the foolishness of God? What is the foolishness of God? God reconciled sinful man back to himself through a Jewish carpenter who hung on the cross outside the walls of Jerusalem. He was mocked, 
crucified, dead, buried, and rose on the third day from the grave. And anyone who believes and place their faith in him, repents and turns from their sins, will be forgiven and receive eternal life. That is what the foolishness of God is. It is the foolishness of God which is wiser than the wisest men's thinking. And man cannot understand God. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. For the message in verse 18 of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When you're drowning and there is no help and you cry out and someone comes and saves you, you understand what it means to be saved in the physical life. And in the spiritual life, when you cry out to God and the sin is overwhelming and you know who you are, you know what you have done, and you know the consequences that will follow, and when the hand comes and you reach out to him and you grab the hand of God, you know what salvation is really about. I've entitled this message, Two Types of Wisdom That Leads to Two Different Destinies. Two Types of Wisdom That Leads to Two Different Destinies. In these six verses, verses 13 through 18 in James chapter 3, James will contrast two types of wisdom and two kinds of life. We can see them as they are laid out before us or as he has laid them out for us. Worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom, earthly versus heavenly, spiritual versus unspiritual, of the devil versus of God, disorder versus order, resistant versus submissiveness, fleshly versus heavenly, and the list goes on. But from this we understand that there are two kinds of wisdom. There are two kinds of wisdom. And the first type of wisdom is earthly wisdom leads to the devil's end. Verses 13 through 16. Earthly wisdom leads to the devil's ends. Verse 13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by, the light, by a good life, by the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James quickly points out that anyone who claims to be wise and understanding must demonstrate it. Knowing and doing are two different things. Solomon knew and understood. If anybody should have known, he was the wisest person who ever lived. A wisest. Other than Jesus Christ, he was the wisest person who ever lived. But he chose to do what was wrong in the latter part of his life. When he asked God for a discerning heart between right and wrong, he should have asked the Lord for an undivided heart that would be submissive and be obedient all the time. And that's what he didn't have. 
And our heart parallels that many times. How many times do we sin and we know the difference between right and wrong? We know what we should do and we know what we shouldn't do. And we decide to do what we want and to do it our way. There are no perfect leaders or believers in the church, for every believer has their failings. However, I admire what Billy Graham said many years ago. He said that he asked God to take him out of this world before he would sin, bringing disgrace upon the Lord's name. That's incredible. And that was said in an interview. The person asked him the question, have you ever thought of using your power for the wrong things? And it's when he said, I have this little deal between the Lord and I. Should I ever do that before, I pray that God would take me right out of the world. He'd take me right out of the world. Listen again to verse 14 through 16 that describes earthly wisdom that leads to the devil's end. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Close quote. True wisdom has no part in bitter envy and selfish ambition. Bitter envy is jealousy, and selfish ambition is doing things that will only enhance one's self. A person full of bitter envy will tear others apart with their tongue. If the spirit does not control the tongue, it will lash out, and there will be no charity. Within the body of Christ, arguing and bickering can go back and forth. Each one can accuse the other one of wanting their own way. And each one claims what they want is what is best for the church. Have you ever noticed that? Everybody thinks that their decision is the best and what is right for the church. James says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Did you, know the pro did you notice the progression of the spiraling down of the descriptive words that James uses here? He first says, earthly. Now, that doesn't sound too bad if it's earthly. Well, it's maybe not the best, but it's not. It's not that bad. But then he uses the word unspiritual. That is showing it is getting worse. And finally, he uses it's of the devil. It is straight out of the pits of hell. It is anti-God. It is against everything what God has ordained. Any wisdom that has better, bitter envy and selfish ambition is from Satan. However, we can't even see it when we get caught up in it. We can't. 
when it's part of us. Remember Peter and Jesus' response to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23? Let me read that portion of scripture for you. Jesus is talking to the disciples. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised from the dead. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in the mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter had the best intentions for the Lord, and he would not allow, if it, he had the strength, to let anything like this happen to Jesus. But this is the reason why Christ came, to die and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Peter did not understand that, and with that, he rebukes the Lord, and in turn, the Lord rebukes him. Peter thought he was speaking words of wisdom to the Lord. They were the words of Satan. We now come to the second category of two types of wisdom that leads to two different destinies. Number two, heavenly wisdom leads to a harvest of righteousness. Heavenly wisdom leads to a harvest of righteousness found in verses 17 through 18. Follow in your Bibles with me as I read James chapter three, verses 17 through 18 again. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness." Close quote. The first thing we learn about wisdom, that it comes from heaven and that it is pure. It is based on the word of God and there is no error. Therefore, if God said it, it is true, it can be relied upon and it will never change. It will not change today and it will not change throughout eternity. Jesus said in Mark 13 verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And Peter echoed the same thought when he says, all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fall, flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. But the word of the Lord stands forever. 
Second, wisdom, come, wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving. Who wants to go to a home or to a church full of quarreling? Where there is peace-loving people, there will be harmony and not discord. This does not mean we sacrifice truth for peace, never. Instead, we seek the Lord together as we align ourselves with God's word, looking at the word, understanding it, and getting our directions from there. Third, wisdom comes down from heaven in con is considerate or gentle. It's considerate or gentle. When we hurt, we can unleash a cannon of harsh, or pardon me, when we are hurt, we can unleash a cannon of harsh words that can bring defilement to the whole body. There is a phrase that says, hurt people hurt people and how true that is. Instead, we are always in need to, we always need to respond to others in patience and gentleness, and that is to display the love of God. Fourth, wisdom that comes down from heaven is submissive, is submissive. In marriage, the husband is the head of the wife because each one has a different role. However, there is also a mutual submission towards one another within the marriage, and there is a mutual submission to one another within the body of Christ. A submissive and a compliant person is willing to hear all sides of the story and listen to what others have to say. They don't have the attitude that it is my way or the highway. They listen, they pray, they try to understand, and they look to the Word of God. Fifth wisdom that comes down from heaven is full of mercy is full of mercy. The person who is full of mercy is controlled by mercy. In other words, they don't give someone what they deserve, but give grace that they, they don't deserve. That is what Christ done for you and I. The parable of the Good Samaritan demonstrates this. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They cursed them. They would do nothing, and yet, when the person who had fallen, it was the Samaritan who went to help the Jew. The Samaritan gave to the Jew something he did not deserve, and that was mercy. Sixth wisdom that comes down from heaven is full of good fruit. The Christian who is full of good fruit they are growing into maturity. Their lives produce a life that reflects Christ because when a plant produces fruit, it shows that there is maturity. When there is maturity, in turn, our lives do two things. They influence others and they bring others to Christ. Seventh, wisdom that comes down from heaven is impartial. In other words, this wisdom can be distinguished between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. The wisdom that is impartial stands upon the word of God and will not move. 
it will not be swayed. Eighth wisdom that comes down from heaven is sincere. It is without hypocrisy. It doesn't say one thing to one person and another thing to another person. In the world, one says whatever they can to get people's support, and you see that in the governmental structures of our society. In the church, one always speaks the truth, whether it costs you anything or whether it doesn't. You always speak the truth. Finally, verse 18 says this, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. All of the traits listed above characterize the heavenly wisdom that a peacemaker exhibits. This in turn brings a harvest of righteousness. When we live according to those traits that are laid before us and with the power of the Holy Spirit, that brings forth a harvest of righteousness. As you can see, two types of wisdom that leads to two different destinies. That is true. The first is earthly wisdom leads to the devil's end. Second, heavenly wisdom leads to a harvest of righteousness. And now here is the question. How can we distinguish and do what is right? Because sometimes earthly wisdom appears so close to heavenly wisdom. Some time ago, I was looking at books back in 1990. Matter of fact, the year was 1997 because this one particular book was written in 1997. And as I walked through the book stands, I looked at the one book and it simply said, Die Broke. Die Broke. And it was a radical four-part financial plan. Now, it was interesting. I thought to myself, well, the book is a little expensive, I'll pass by. And then a few years passed, a number of years passed, and I decided, hey, you know, I remember that book. I wouldn't mind reading that book just to see what that book had to say about financial investment. And anyway, I went on the internet, I looked for it again, found that the book was no longer in print. I looked at it the other day on the, I looked for it the other day on the net. It's in print again. However, when I didn't find it in print, this is what I simply did. I went on the internet and I looked for a book review. I found the book review of an individual who had done it, and this is what he said in the book. He said, these two authors, Stephen and Mark, put forth a very interesting book, and this is what he said, they said in the book. These two authors says, we do it all wrong. We come into this world, we grow up, and as soon as we, get, we grow up, we decide to ourselves, well, I have to get a job. And we start working, working, working. In North America, we work, 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 because we're going to retire at 65. At 65, we're going to enjoy life to the fullest. 
And the authors basically said, by the time you turn 65, things have changed. All of a sudden, your priorities have changed as well as your health. And the things that you thought you would really like to do, you don't like to do it anymore. And the things that you still enjoy and want to do, you can't do it anymore because of your health. So they offer an alternative. They start off by taking an exam, uh, take, take a survey of your life, of how long you're gonna live. Well, who knows how long they're li- gonna live? Take a look at your grandparents and your great grandparents, find how long they lived and figure how long you're gonna live. If you're gonna live to 80, you know you have to have at least an investment in order to reach 80. In other words, he said, don't become a burden to your children and expect them to take care of you get enough money, not accumulate vast amounts of it, but enough to last to the end, however long you're going to live. Then he said, use your finances the way that is proper. He said, look at your children and begin to enjoy time with them rather than spending all your time doing everything to save money and to spend it at the end. After you look at that, decide how you're going to help your children. Don't make them dependent upon you, but rather help them with their education. Go alongside with them so that they can become independent. The whole idea that he he talks about in the book is living a balanced life. And when you read the whole book, he says, at the end of life, when it's time to retire, he says it's bad to retire. Don't retire. Continue to work, but scale down. Because life is not just about pleasure, but work also brings pleasure. And he goes on to that. If you work five days a week, cut back, maybe work four. And the older you get, keep on working, but cut back general. Uh, uh, by a percentage all the time. And then he says, by this time you have also used all your money and when you come, you should die and you should die broke. The last check that you should write out should be to the funeral home and it should bounce. Now, I say that because when you read about it, It is the opposite of what other finances teach. The opposite says, what's this? Don't, the opposite says, acquire money, get all you want, so that when you're at the end of life, you are filthy rich. He's saying, don't do that. But now here's the fine line, which is right. And you know what the fine line is here? They're both wrong. They're both wrong. Because if you live the life acquiring all the riches, or you live the life simply to enjoy life, and you forget God, you miss it all. You miss it all. And lots of people will gravitate to the one die broke, and in the end, if they have no room for God, they are a fool, for the fool has rejected God. So as we read, we must compare everything to the scriptures. And what do the scriptures teach us? Surrender our lives to Christ. Walk with him. 
place him first, enjoy life with our families, teach them and lead them to Jesus Christ. And after you have done that, teach them also to go out with you and to win other people to Christ to be the example, for that is the Great Commission. It is putting Christ first in everything that you and I do. The world has one set of wisdom for people, and God has another set of wisdom, and we choose the Lord. For a closing song, let's sing number 572. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And we'll sing the first three, and Pastor Dean will... Um, Close this morning for us, and we will sing the last verse together. stand as we close. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we realize more than anything we need your wisdom in order to walk. We look at Solomon's life and although he was the wisest man who ever lived, he done some things that were not right in your sight. 
Lord, help us not only to be able to distinguish between right and wrong, but give us the strength to do what is right. Give us what we need. And we pray, Lord, that when we go astray, as the song has said, that you will seek us out and you will come and you will call us back. And Lord, I pray that as we walk this rest of the year, that we would be able to bring honor and glory to you. Give us wisdom in the decisions that we as a church will make. And I pray, Father, that in the end, when all is said and done, we will be known as a church who has sought your face and lived a life of obedience based on the wisdom found in the word of God. Now I pray, Father, you would go with us our separate ways and that you would give us grace and mercy as we walk the path of obedience. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. And in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you go in the strength of his power and grace. Amen.